Welcome to Civil Discourse. This podcast will use government documents to illuminate the workings of the American government and offer context around the effects of government agencies in your everyday life. And now your hosts, Nia Rogers, public affairs librarian, and Dr. John Augenbaugh, political science professor. Hey, Augie. Morning, Nia. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, uh, I'm excellent because uh, once again, um, uh, we get to talk about uh, one of my favorite uh, subjects in uh, political science, uh, the United States Supreme Court. <laughs> yes, and their, and their last um, uh, 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 term. Uh, term, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, the 2020-2021 uh, uh, term, uh, which concluded on July 1st. Uh, and listeners in our previous uh, podcast episode, um, uh, uh, we did a kind of sort of wrap up of the term and uh, where we finished that podcast episode, um, uh, I was just uh, commencing um, a discussion of um, uh, what I see in terms of trends and where the court's uh, potentially going to be going um, um, in its next term, which yeah. actually uh, begins on uh, the first Monday of October. And I appreciate you letting me rather rudely interrupt you. Um, well, uh, I mean, let's face it, Nia, um, because uh, you unfortunately have, uh, have encountered this with me uh, previously. Once I start talking about the Supreme Court. <laughs> you okay, love the Supreme Court. Okay, uh, you might as well sit back, great, great, grab your favorite beverage and get comfortable <laughs> because um, I might go on for hours. Okay. Well, Oh, I, and it's always interesting to me. That's what's great is I learn stuff and it's interesting to me. I do think that we need to get you one of those license plates that's like SCOTUS number one fan or whatever. <laughs> yeah, a vanity um, plate, yes. You know, or, and yes. one of those uh, fingers that you could go to the court and wave, you know, like the football <laughs> fans have. But so where we had left it was this discussion of um, sort of the... Well, the, the, the Supreme Court this past term um, kind of sort of belied or undercut the, the accepted, sky is falling. Yeah, the accepted wisdom, um, you know, conservatives thought that the court would now, okay, finally engage in a, a conservative counter-revolution. Thank whereas, you. That's exactly what I was going to what I was going to say is I was talking about the liberal media, but the media on the other side. The right. Oh, they're, they're, they're up like, in arms. Ah, we are going to have oh. all the power. They're going to fix everything that's wrong with the United States. Hence your Texas versus California uh, decision. Right. Where you get okay. the ACA. They thought, oh, OK. Now we've got our people on. We can get rid of this dang thing, and the court was like, mm, "I don't even want to talk to you about this." Well, I mean, it, 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 because the court dispensed with the case on standing grounds, the Supreme Court basically said to the political branches, "If you want to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, you're going to have you. to do, you're going to have to do the dirty work." Right. We're you're not going to be your bad guy. You're going to have to go ahead and tell 30 million plus Americans who have grown to rely on the Affordable Care Act, oh yeah, by the way, it doesn't exist anymore. And they also, and I'm not trying to be ugly here, but they also said to Texas, sit down. 
Well, I mean, sit, it, it, sit down. You don't get to keep bringing cases about other places and other stuff when you can't show injury. See, now I'm hearkening back to the previous Texas case that annoyed the crap out of me, which is Texas saying that other states were running their elections incorrectly. You, sit down, Texas. Just sit down. Well, so, I mean, and, 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 and now you have a. You can talk to me about the Affordable Care Act. Well, I mean, and, and again. <laughs> But it's a federalism issue too, right? I mean, because the court's basically gone ahead and saying to states, if you're going to go ahead and sue the federal government, okay, um, you're going to have to show injury, right? Okay. Um, you know, our federal system, okay, requires cooperation among the levels of government. If you're going to go ahead and take the step of suing another level of government in federal courts, okay, well, you better have your ducks in a row, right? right? Okay. If you can't, if you can't check off some basic boxes, like, you know, were you injured? Okay. We don't have time for this. Okay. And again, this demonstrates, if you will, I think a larger theme that may play out over the next couple of years, Nia, which is we have a bunch of justices, okay, who are, okay, acutely aware that, oh, that partisans on both sides of the political aisle think that the court is another political branch who right. just wears funny clothes. Right. Okay. And can be made to do their bidding. And, and the court's and, like, and, uh, no. No, right? I mean, because, you know, another example of this in, 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 in my students in constitutional law were very interested in this case. Um, was the um, uh, Mahano uh, School District, Mahanoy School District versus BL. Uh, this was the case Nia, where uh, 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 a woman in, in high school who didn't make the varsity cheerleading squad, okay? She had some choice things to say, didn't she? It was really funny when they were talking about that case and they had to bleep every other word because she used the f word to yeah, say she went on to f cheer f school f something yeah. else i can't remember but like she was basically yeah she went on us she went on a snapchat okay um and and, and let and, her opinions fly yeah but she wasn't on campus right right she was i think at a shopping mall and it was like on a saturday okay she went ahead and posted on Snapchat, and then she deleted the post. Unfortunately, some of her classmates, okay, went ahead. <laughs> yeah. Took, took screenshots. Okay, first okay. of all, missing the entire point of Snapchat, which is that it's supposed to not be that kind of. It's not supposed to be everlasting a record. forum, right? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not supposed and to be a permanent record. Yeah. What are you doing, hanging around on Snapchat, ratting people out? What's wrong with you? Get yeah, life. I, yeah, I mean, you know, as I tell my daughter, don't be, don't be the snitch, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Like, okay. come on. Okay. Really? And I you said, know what it was? It was somebody on the cheer squad. Well, probably. The cheer squad and was like, she said nasty things about us because, man, if there's a group of people more likely to snitch on each other than cheerleaders, I'd like to know who they are. But well, anyway. I mean, hey, well, I mean, hey, I mean, think about it. I mean cheerleading squads, sports teams, okay? 
you have a lot of downtime and boy the catty <laughs> behavior good yep. lord okay <laughs> mean I mean, girls man mean girls yeah anyway um, so uh the, the school suspended her uh, uh from extracurricular activities for a year <laughs> yeah, not just the cheer squad but like all extracurricular activities right yeah. and which is not cool so the case goes to the supreme court um, in, in, in the court, uh, uh, in an uh, eight to one ruling, uh, ruled in favor of uh, uh, the young woman. Okay, but Justice Breyer's majority opinion was so vague, okay, and so case specific, okay, that, you know, many of us who teach constitutional law are like, okay, so what can't schools regulate in regards to speech. I mean, because what Breyer said was, okay, schools and courts have to take a look at specific case facts. So if you're a school and you're trying to come up with a, you know, a, a policy, okay, you have some difficulty if you're a student and you wanna engage in speech, you're still probably not all that sure, well, if I do this on campus, can I get into trouble? But if I do it off campus, what about school policies in regards to bullying? Because you know, increasingly a lot of the bullying that goes on occurs on social media, right? right. So, I mean, but it was a rather fact specific ruling and eight of the justices signed off on this approach, right? Eight of them did. Right? In part because that is a huge can of worms to open. Yeah, I mean- and, what, and, and, what, does this, what right does the school have to monitor your social media and punish you if you say things about the school or about other individuals, but you're not doing it on school grounds. Like, it's one thing back in the day, low those many thousands of years ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth and you and I were in high school, where the most contact you had with people was at school. So if you got into a fight with somebody at school, if you said something terrible, it was on their grounds and they did have a legitimate reason to be involved in your free speech. But when you're at home or at the mall or wherever, I don't surprised even people go to the mall anymore, but wherever, and you say something about your school, should they have the right to, uh, it, it's a complicated well, question. And I'm sure the, the, the Supremes were like, man, if we open this can of worms, we're gonna be, this is gonna be crazy. Yeah, because, you know, the court has held in a series of previous rulings that schools have a legitimate government interest, okay, in providing a safe educational, if you will, environment right. that, you know, they have an interest in minimizing disruptions to that environment. Right. But this school could not even demonstrate that it produced a disruption because again, okay, the student in question almost immediately got rid of the posts. She deleted them. 
Right. It's not like she was marching outside the school, anti-cheer, whatever, saying things, which would have been disruptive. Like, what, what ended up being disruptive was the school's punishment. Right. Because okay? then it divided people about whether that was fair or not. But, you know, Breyer's majority opinion, okay, <laughs> just, you know, drove constitutional law scholars bonkers because we were like, okay, <laughs> So where's, what does it mean? <laughs> you know, so, you know, how does the First Amendment apply in school in this new context generated by social media? Right. But it's a really good example of many of the rulings that we've seen on the Roberts court, not only this past Supreme Court term, but the last couple of years. Right. The last couple of years. Um, so, again, Nia going back to the previous podcast episode, you know, if you're liberals and you're afraid the sky was going to fall, well, if the sky's going to fall, it's going to happen in a very slow- Incrementally. <laughs> yes, right? It's going to be the worst possible death yeah, because right? the sky is falling, but it's falling like a quarter inch at a time. Right, right? <laughs> you're going to be able to view it measurably, right? And That's if you're- well, but if you're an arch conservative, you're also annoyed because yeah, because you're like, why did we keep it going? Let's move, 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 and it's not happening. It's happening in incremental. Why have like, we why have we engaged in a fifty year process to roll back the Warren Court's liberal civil rights revolution when every time we get a solid majority of quote unquote conservatives on the court? Okay, they don't produce for us, right? Right. They don't give us the kind of broad change that we want. Okay. Um, so you can't say this about the Roberts Court. Okay. Um, if you believe in a robust First Amendment, this court is all about the First Amendment, student speech in the case that we just mentioned, free exercise of religion, okay? Oh, uh, that's the California can't tell you you can't go to church during a pandemic. Uh, yeah, the, so you had right. a series of, uh, of pandemic shadow docket case rulings, <laughs> um, but also uh, the uh, uh, Fulton case uh, versus the, uh, 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 Philadelphia. What's the Fulton um, case? Okay, that was the case where the city of Philadelphia um, had uh, 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 created a regulation that prohibited um, um, organizations uh, to participate in their foster child program if the organization discriminated against um, LGBTQT plus um, parents, potential parents, okay? And uh, Catholic uh, 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 child services um, were told by the city of Philadelphia that because uh, you view marriage as between a man and a woman and will not uh, place foster kids with same-sex couples, you can no longer participate in our foster child program, okay? And the case went to the Supreme Court, okay, and the court ruled against Philadelphia's prohibition. But again, Nia, 
Chief Justice Roberts' majority opinion was so narrow that it basically put off the question of whether or not people can use free exercise of religion rights to avoid laws that don't allow you to discriminate against LGBTQT plus individuals. So it's a plus for religious Religion. Okay. expression religious. because the Catholics were saying we religiously do not believe that this is okay. Yeah, because basically what the, 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 the court said in this case was Philadelphia, Philadelphia was, can't keep the Catholic yeah, can't Philadelphia, keep Catholics from participating because they're Catholic. Yeah, because it was generally open to all other foster organizations. So they were discriminating against the Catholic Church. Church. Because okay. of its religious, and I assume any other group, any other religion that had yeah, similar I mean, religious uh, qualms concerning the LGBTQIA community. Yeah. So. so Okay, so but, the court, but, but it's but, but, not a it's not really an upheld the LGBTQIA part though. Well, it's they just did, preventing well, they did, the religious. Yeah, they didn't answer the bigger question. Okay, right, which it's, is should LGBTQIA people be allowed to foster children? No, 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 no. The the the, the bigger question is, can religious groups or religious, for instance, own businesses discriminate av against avoid, okay, anti-discrimination laws because of religious belief. The, gotcha. court, the court basically punted on that question yet again. Which is not surprising because that is a labyrinthine yeah, but question. I mean, I mean yeah. Yeah, because, you know, and again, this follows a trend on the Roberts Court, because three years ago, in the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, okay, they basically, the court basically said Colorado mistreated or didn't give a fair hearing, okay, to the guy who owned the cake shop, who was unwilling to go ahead and bake cakes for same-sex couples for their marriages, you know, their marriage, you know, their wedding right. ceremonies, right? So the court twice has had the opportunity to address, okay, that constitutional conflict, right? Right. Okay. The rights, okay, of certain groups versus rights of other groups. And the court has gone ahead and walked that very narrow path, right? Very narrow path. Do you think that in future they're going to have to answer that question? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, it seems to me that at some point that question is going to come up in a way that they're not going to be able to avoid saying you cannot discriminate against based on people's sexual orientation. It's, like that's a... Or they're going to have to... Or, or, or they're going to have, have, or they're going to say, yes, you can. You There's a religious exception to discrimination basically, laws basically the court's got three choices with that conflict nia you mentioned two of them either they go ahead and say okay um generally applicable laws don't give religious groups a free pass or they say the first amendment does give these groups a free pass 
from complying with those laws. Or the third choice is they basically go ahead and, and say to the political branches, you come up with a compromise. Right. Because if you don't, one of you or both of you is not going to like the rulings. Right. Okay. Um, right. Y'all need to state what you mean. Yes. Clearly, so that so that laws can then be written accordingly. Okay. So, now, um, so the, I'm I'm intrigued by your other that your other uh, First Amendment positive trend thing that you brought up. Oh, which privacy was, rights. Yeah. Privacy rights of interest Cause, groups. Because you would think that people uh, who contextually read the read the Constitution would say, ah, there's no right to privacy. Well, it, it, and this is where, for instance, okay, the politics of the Constitution has changed, okay? So historically, liberals, okay, so what we're talking about is the Bonta case, which comes from the state of California. California had a requirement that nonprofit interest groups had to report to the state of California's Secretary of State, okay, um, who donated money to their groups. Now, that reporting was never made public, but a couple conservative interest groups said, we got a problem with this because if we report this to the government, then some of our donors may be less willing to donate money because if that information ever leaks, okay, and you know these interest groups are no longer seen as popular or acceptable, et cetera, et cetera, these individuals might get targeted. Well, and in California, being conservative might hurt your business. That's right. Right. Now, I mean, his, historically, Nia, those who protested such disclosure requirements were historically liberal. Because in the past, okay, state governments targeted groups like the NAACP, uh, okay, the ACLU, the, the ACLU, the Southern okay. Christian Leadership Group, okay, et cetera, okay, because if and, they got if they got their donor list, then they could go ahead and focus on okay, who their members were that should be targeted for robust surveillance. Okay. Auditing. Auditing, right. arrests, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it's pretty fascinating because when the court looked at those kinds of requirements in the 1950s and 60s, they said that such uh, requirements were unconstitutional because it violated the First Amendment's freedom of association. And conservatives on the court didn't give a shit excuse the expression, they just didn't care, right? <laughs> now the worm is turned, okay? In the Bonta case, the three justices who didn't have a problem with the California requirement were the three liberals. <laughs> and all six of the conservatives- You should have like, transparency in money, the liberals said. Yes, right? Whereas the six conservatives were like, 
No, 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 no. the First Amendment's freedom of association. I'm like, you can get whiplash if you study constitutional law enough, right? The other example is the Roberts Court is definitely interested in protecting property rights, okay? And we saw this again. Um, this is a, 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 a uh, a case, uh, the Pacdell case, which actually comes from the city of San Francisco. The way many states got around the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment Wait. was, okay, the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment says- <laughs> Thank you. <okay. laughs> you can tell from my face, can't you? Yeah, when yeah. When you say the name of a clause, you can tell from my face, I'm going to say, what does that clause say? Yeah, well, I mean, and, and by the way, Nia, the look on your face is like the look of uh, on the faces of many students when I get to that clause of the Fifth Amendment, because most Americans know the Fifth Amendment as um, um, uh, I plead the fifth, okay? Right. You know, the privilege against self-incrimination. Oh. Or, or they Which know the we're going to put a little post-it on because when you're done explaining the takings clause, I would like for you to remind listeners what the fifth clause, what the taking of the fifth you have to actually be in jeopardy in order to do that. Okay. Well, that's Unlike the what they have you in the movies doing it just. Yeah. Okay. Constant. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. But anyway, takings clause first. Yeah. The takings clause is the last clause of the fifth amendment. And it basically says the government can take private property for public use. As long as the government gives you just compensation for taking your property. Is that what brings about eminent domain yes okay okay so like if they want to say oh i don't know build a wall on the southern border and you own a farm on the southern border they can actually buy your property for market value and yeah. put up a wall on it because it's for public but they use. don't have to buy they only have to buy that which they need so yeah. what some people on the southern border are finding is that some of their property is still on the other side um, in Mexico that they own, and then some own on this side, and then there's a wall that goes through the middle that's owned by the federal government. Yeah. Okay, now, but so that's, so that's yeah. what the takings clause means. They can take your stuff. Is that also what allows them to seize things during, um, like, when they do a drug bust and they take no. your car or your... No, that 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 is uh, that touches upon uh, the Fourth Amendment. Okay. Okay, uh, where the government can engage in reasonable searches and seizures. Okay, um, if they are arresting you because you are selling drugs, um, they want to go ahead and seize your property or your assets because okay. you may use that those that property and assets. Okay, to avoid prosecution. Okay. 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 But the, the common use of the takings clause is actually at the local government level. Okay. Okay. Because um, you're talking about, for instance, local governments um, will want to build a park. Okay. Um, or a state local government wants to build a new road. Oh, okay? widen the road, then they can yeah, take okay. the edge of your Take property. the edge of your property, right? Okay. Um, but in this case, um, the Pactel case is a follow-up to the Nix Township case from a couple of Supreme Court terms ago. And it dealt with the fact that many state and local governments, okay, avoided, 
okay, having to respond to the takings clause because state and local governments would say, our administrative hearing process is not final. And until it is final, um, there has not been an official taking. <laughs> so the way so the way state local governments got around ever having to comply with, okay, or fend off challenges to, okay, them possibly taking one's private property was to say, well, we haven't done we're not done yet with the hearing on whether or not it was actually a taking, or we're not yet done figuring out what was just compensation. So you had property owners that were figuratively in a catch-22. Right, it's dragged out forever and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't make a takings clause challenge in federal court because the government in question, state and local governments were saying, Okay, we but we've not, yet. Yeah, we've not officially taken anything yet because the administrative hearing process where you are appealing has not yet concluded. So federal court judges were like, yep, sorry, we can't entertain your constitutional challenge. And state and local governments would just drag this stuff out for years. Which should have, there should be some effect in the, you have a right to a speedy trial. But that's for criminal cases. Oh, okay. So a couple of years it shows ago, shows you why I can't be a lawyer. But anyway, okay, but for a couple of years ago, the Supreme Court in the Nix Township case went ahead and said, "Okay, um, property owners can bring Fifth Amendment takings clause challenges. Okay, if they can demonstrate in a federal court that even if." the local government's administrative process has not yet concluded, their property has been effectively taken. And the court in the Pactel case this term went ahead and emphasized, okay, um, that is the case, okay? And they applied it to the city of San Francisco because the city of San Francisco has some of the most according to opponents, burn some zoning ordinances in the country, okay? Where they limit what you can do with your property, when you can do it with your property, et cetera, okay? And many property owners in San Francisco are like, effectively, you have taken my property. But San Francisco refuses to go ahead and say they've taken their property. So they don't so have to pay for it yet. Yeah, they don't have to give them any compensation. So right now, essentially, no one's in charge of the property. But if it were a greenway and you let it grow to 80 foot tall grass, they would yes. come out and give you a citation for it. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's annoying. Okay. Now. So there, so whatever else may be said about this court, what you're telling me is that J-Rob has... Uh, and, and by the a way, a lot of attachment to, oh, sorry, that was last episode. Sorry, Chief Justice John Roberts, parentheses, also known as J Rob, parentheses, um, because we're supposed to introduce him before I call him J Rob. Um, he, so a lot of this 
things that have come up have been about individual rights. Mm -hmm. And he's very much pro the individual. Yeah, he's uh, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts. Um, I think it's safe to say Nia is not uh, a big advocate of identity politics. He doesn't believe that people are members of groups. Ah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, well, to give you an example, okay, in the voting rights context, okay, uh, the Supreme Court this term um, uh, uh, heard a case from uh, the, the state of Arizona. Um, uh, uh, Arizona uh, basically passed a law that prohibited uh, two practices. Um, uh, 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 vote harvesting, ballot harvesting, and that's where basically uh, a group um, will go ahead and collect, okay, the ballots of individuals who can't make it to the polls, ah. okay, um, and, um, uh, and, and then submit those votes. Um, Arizona uh, uh, passed uh, a regulation that said uh, uh, that that practice has to end because we can't guarantee that uh, uh, you won't have voter fraud take place. The second practice that Arizona uh, passed a regulation prohibiting, or well, basically said, if you vote at the wrong precinct, your vote doesn't count. Whoa. Okay. That's harsh. And uh, these Not were challenged. provisionally, just it doesn't count at all? Doesn't count at all. Wow. So this was I believe that in Virginia, it's provisional, isn't it? If you vote in the wrong in precinct, in most they states can decide it whether it'll, it'll count or not, but it's not, a, yeah. it's not an automatic no. Not an automatic no. In, in most states, um, there is that flexibility. Okay. And I think it's because they have to transfer your ballot to the proper precinct, right? So they're basically saying, if we have time, we will do that. But if we don't have time, then you're a twerp and you, yeah. you, know, you should have voted somewhere else. Okay. So both provisions were challenged for violating Section 2 of the 1965 Voter Rights Act. Okay. Now, Section 2 of the 65 Voting Rights Act okay, prohibits um, a, uh, state voting laws or regulations, okay, that have a disparate, if you will, impact on people previously discriminated against in exercising their franchise. Okay, so generally speaking, communities of color yes. and, and poor communities. The question for the court was, does Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act prohibit, okay, disparate treatment, or does it also include disparate impact? Ah. Because the way the Arizona regulations were written, it applies to everybody. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're Caucasian, African-American, right. Latino, poor. okay, rich, poor, if you're educated, not educated. Okay, um, if you have somebody else harvest your ballot, okay, okay, and submit it for you, okay, your vote doesn't count. Gotcha. And if you vote at the wrong precinct, okay, you're out of luck. But if it prohibits 
disparate impact. Right. Okay. Then if the challengers can show that it impacts, for instance, voters black of church, color. Right. Black okay. churches gathering votes yes. and sending them in. Okay. Like we have souls to the polls in Virginia where bus rides okay. to the polls. But that's actually allowed in Arizona. What Arizona ah. prohibited was organizations going to people's houses or their churches or oh, other community setting, and settings, getting their votes and then taking them to the polls gotcha. and submitting them. Okay. And the Supreme Court went ahead and said, their reading of Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act, it prohibits disparate treatment, okay, not disparate impact. Yes, yes, well, yes, Well, I have yes. many feelings about that. Oh, hey, I mean, uh, again, th th this is part of the larger debate about voting in the United States. Yeah, and you I can don't understand why we... Well, no, I do understand. I do understand politically why it is advantageous for certain groups for there to be fewer voters. Um, but if we call it, but we shouldn't call ourselves a democracy at that point. Like if what we want to do is suppress the vote of certain voters, then we should just not call ourselves a democracy. Or, or how about this? Why don't we have a conversation about what is minimally required to vote in the United States. Right. Okay. Where is the middle ground, right? I mean, because Nia, you and I have talked about this. Some of the laws that have been passed since the fall 2020, you know, elections, okay, have been labeled as voter suppression laws. On the other hand, many of those provisions are already in place in other states, okay, that don't have the reputation of suppressing votes. Right. We okay. need we need standards yes. that are national standards. In order to vote, this is the national standard. And because it is the national standard, the state is obligated to make certain that you can do those things. Like if you have to have a state ID in order to vote, then the state ID has to be free because that's a poll tax otherwise, right? Like, so it's, you know, if, but we, if we had a set of standards that everybody lived by in the United States, then it would be a lot harder to mess with the vote. Like it would be a lot harder to. Sure, because again, if you have agreed upon universal standards, right. okay, then, you know, at the end of an election night or the morning after an election night, a whole bunch of us will have confidence that only those people, okay, who were allowed to vote actually voted. Right. Okay. And that also includes, and I know you've heard me rant about this, so please forgive me for ranting about it again. States actually setting aside the resources and the personnel to count votes. Exactly. I mean, because you if have you're going to do it by mail in. Clearly, it can be done, because but, Oregon has been doing it since God was a boy. Like, 
isn't it Oregon? It's either Oregon or Washington. Well, I mean, all mail-in vote, and they seem to manage it just fine. But states that are but you, 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 not you, devoting you, resources—that's a state problem. That's and, and moreover, okay, you know, and I'm looking at you, state of New York. Okay, you can't have people running voter registrar's offices. Okay, that are politically appointed. Right. Stop that right now. Okay. Come up with what are okay the 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 knowledge, skills, and abilities that you need of people to go ahead and run your voting process and to count votes and then hire them. Okay, but you can't be using these as you know patronage positions. Right. Okay, let's get out of that practice. Okay, because you're basically going ahead and giving the opposition whoever loses in an election. Okay, the grounds to go ahead and say. Well, of course, our votes weren't counted because they were appointed by, you know, you know, the supporters of X political party. Exactly. Let's just, let's just stop this. If the vote is that important, let's just go ahead and stop that. Okay. Agreed upon, if you will, principles, okay, for managing the suffrage. Okay. Um, but yeah, no. If it's the most important thing we do in a democracy, how about we do it right? I'm just saying. No, no. Hey, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I agree and, with you. And, and if we can't get this right, we are hopeless for getting anything else right. Like it's, it shouldn't be this hard. And yet every time anyway. Okay. Okay. That's a frustration, so, but I want to ask you about next term. Okay. So next term, um, so far the Supreme court has agreed to hear only 20 cases. Now, is this on their regular docket or on their shadow docket? regular docket okay, okay regular docket she um, asked with some bitterness well hey you know again you and i've talked about this before i mean the supreme and, court and y'all will be hearing an episode on about that the shadow docket about okay. the shadow docket but i mean as we are recording uh earlier this week um uh, uh the court's shadow docket um is allowing the eviction moratorium issued by the cdc to last until okay oh, the uh, to, uh, to, to last until the end of July, okay, even though five of the justices quite clearly think it's unconstitutional. <laughs> but they are allowing it to expire at the end of July. Well, they've basically gone ahead and said, and uh, Brett Kavanaugh's concurrence in allowing the eviction moratorium to continue, Brett Kavanaugh made it very clear, since it's gonna end in July, wink wink nudge nudge political branches <laughs> it's okay. 30 days and we're not going to worry about it we're not going to worry about it but if this if this lasts beyond july 31st somebody should bring another case to us yeah because um we're ready to go ahead and say the cdc does not have the legal authority okay to do this right which by the way i hate to say because i'm I, I don't want to see people evicted, but I'm not sure that I agree that CDC has the right to do that either. I understand a public health issue, but we are now in a, in a part of the public health concern where we have significantly better control than we've had. Yeah, and, I've had. Uh, we need I, to figure out a different way to stop people from being thrown out of their homes. Like we need to have a, a more permanent way of dealing with evictions fairly than we have i've had this conversation with a number of people um uh, in the public health realm 
I'm willing to go ahead and concede that the federal government having the authority, okay, to suspend evictions of people from their homes is important during a public health crisis. The problem is that the authorizing legislation for the CDC, okay, I don't believe can be read, interpreted as giving the Centers for Disease Control that authority. Right. That probably okay. should have been an executive order. Okay. But even then, I don't know. Hmm. okay, the executive order, as our uh, good friend and colleague Bill Newman has shared with us in a previous podcast episode, executive orders that are based on constitutional authority, okay, withstand scrutiny in courts better than those of, well, I just think it should be a policy and That's I'm a true. president, okay? That's true. Okay, you know, remember his, his infamous example yeah. of, you know, I, down with, I think it was you, down with broccoli. Down with right? broccoli, that's right. Okay, but, and again, this is one of those times to where, okay. But I, I have a clever advisor named Augenbaugh. <laughs> I would say to you, figure out a way for me to declare war on this pandemic so that I have war powers. <laughs> and you would say, yes, ma'am. Let me uh, let me get another cup of coffee and start flipping through the Constitution and I'll find something for you. I'm okay, so for, anyway. okay, so for, for the next term, uh, the Supreme Court has agreed to hear 20 cases. Now, okay. will, they, will they only hear 20? No. Yeah. Okay, because the bulk of a Supreme Court's term docket um, is usually filled up with cases that, uh, uh, with appeals, case appeals that are submitted during the summer. Okay. So the Supreme Court returns from their three month furlough. Okay. And their clerks say, ta da, and hand them a bunch of yeah, they, they, they will things return. to consider. Okay, the last week of September, the court will have just this massively long conference where they go through all of the appeals submitted during the summer, and they will basically fill it up with, you know, 30 to 35 more cases, and then they usually leave room for 15 to 20 um, appeals that are submitted in the fall that they then can schedule for next February, March, and April. Okay. okay. So to date, there are, are only two that have gener generated a lot of attention. One is the Dobbs case. This is a Mississippi uh, uh, um, uh, appealing a lower federal court declaring their abortion law unconstitutional. Mississippi passed a law that said all abortions, with the exception of those to protect a woman's health, are prohibited after 15 weeks. After 15 weeks. And by the way, for those of you who wonder where the 15-week okay, uh, threshold, um, how it was generated, um, I've done a little bit of reading and research on this. 
Mississippi lawmakers, okay, focused on a number of studies, okay, from OBGYNs, okay, that have indicated that many fetuses are viable after 15 weeks. And some Mississippi lawmakers actually borrowed language from laws commonplace in Europe where abortions are prohibited after 16 weeks. So the court will have to look at whether or not it's precedent in Planned Parenthood versus Casey, okay, um, um, will allow states like Mississippi to prohibit all abortions. And again, Mississippi paid attention to other Supreme Court rulings by giving an exception for abortions to protect a woman's health. So that's the big, you know, that's one of the big ones. So abortions queued up. And if I had to venture a guess, Chief Justice John Roberts did not vote to hear this case. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. He's like, no, landmines, landmines. Okay. The second one. You know what? At some point, the pressure to hear a case about, well, anyway. Well, I mean, Aenea, we're talking about easily a dozen states. Right. Have passed similar laws. Right. I mean, this was going to come up because it's starting to be an uneven women's access is starting to be wildly uneven depending on what state you live in yes which was going to eventually drive that before the court because it can't be that if you're if you have enough money you can pop over to another state right that's that's what's an inter- unfair uh, unequal access in a way but that's what's interesting me is have to be no lower federal court has upheld any of these state laws. So there's not conflict among the lower federal courts. Right. The second deals with the Second Amendment. (gasps) They're taking a guns case. Yeah, they're taking a gun case. Um, The state of New York, okay, has uh, a law, okay, that allows local governments to deny Conceal carry licenses for self-defense. And not surprisingly, most local governments in the state of New York deny them in mass. <laughs> okay. Okay. They hardly ever, okay, grant conceal carry uh, uh, weapons licenses for any individual. <laughs> That doesn't seem fair. I have to admit, like your criterion should not, if your criterion is we don't think people should be able to allow or people should be able to carry concealed weapons, then make that the law. Yes. Don't don't say you're going to give a license, but then never give any. Because that that implies a discrimination that's not. So I'm, I'm actually, I can't believe I'm about to say I'm on the side of the rights of Okay, well, that's not true. I I am actually I don't I I have lots of mixed feelings and mixed beliefs about gun ownership, but I do believe that the way to solve that, and I'm sure what the Supreme Court is going to say is New York, if you think it ought to be illegal to have concealed carry, then freaking make it illegal. Don't, you know. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, 
don't say it's legal, but we never give it to anybody. That's not, that's not mm -hmm. legal at that point. Like that's. <laughs> well, I mean, because if, if you're going to give local government officials discretion, but then they never use that discretion. <laughs> okay, then why have discretion? <laughs> then, then why you have discretion? I mean, right. you know, this, this kind of sort of goes back to the, the Fulton versus Philadelphia case about, you know, foster care, right? Right. If, if you give the administrator of the foster care system discretion, okay, and they only apply it to a particular religion, okay, well, that's not discretion. Right. Okay, that's discrimination. That's discrimination. Right. Okay. Now, here's the, here's the thing. Because of the way the law is written, I could see Chief Justice Roberts and Kavanaugh and Barrett plus a couple of the liberals going ahead and say, okay, if you never use the discretion to grant a concealed carry license, that violates the second amendment. But if it's applied to everybody, okay. Oh, then it doesn't because it's not discrimination. It's just a generally applicable law. So coming I back to the Arizona thing of if it hurts everybody equally, yes, so, then it's okay with us. <laughs> so I could see the way they wrote the question, okay? I could see, you know, Chief Justice John Roberts, you know, saying to his colleagues, okay, fine. You want to take a Second Amendment case? But this, this is, is the, the one question. we're going to take. <laughs> okay. And, and but because you got gun rights advocates who are like, ooh, finally, the court's going to come out and clearly say, okay, the Second Amendment, okay, any regulations of the Second Amendment deserve strict scrutiny. And I'm looking at how that question is worded. And I'm like, this gives John Roberts an opportunity to pull together a majority that consists of Kavanaugh, Barrett, Breyer, and Kagan. Wouldn't that be something? Okay. And you might have Sotomayor saying, no, okay, the, the <laughs> state of New York can go ahead, any state can go ahead and regulate the Second Amendment because we got it wrong, okay, um, in, in DC versus Heller. And I could see Gorsuch, Thomas, and Alito say, this doesn't go far enough. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, but anyways, the last as we thing wrap I up, yeah, yes. I wanted to ask you, hey, is anybody going to retire? Well, I got to leave him alone about this. God, Lee days. If you asked me every day if I was going to retire, I wouldn't retire just because of that. Well, I mean, you know that that would be my attitude. Because, right. Dig okay, in. I'd because, be as obstinate. Okay, so we're talking about Justice Breyer. Yeah, Justice Breyer uh, is uh, uh, in his 80s. He's been on the Supreme Court um, uh, since the uh, Clinton administration. And a lot of liberal interest groups want him to retire while the Senate is still controlled, okay, by the Democrats. Right. Because of um, Vice President Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote. Right. And the They're worried about the 2022 election and losing, as presidents often do. Yes, in the midterm elections. In the midterm um, election. Presidents frequently lose seats in both houses of Congress, but in particular, um, they are concerned about the Senate, right? right? And, you know, they have a Democratic president. 
um, and they have you know called up memories of Ruth Bader Ginsburg not retiring when the president was the Democrat Barack Obama, and at least for the first two years. Wait a minute. Right, first, first two years they had control, and then he got a shellacking in the midterms. Right. Right. So they don't want a repeat of that, and they've been very brazen. Okay, you know they had uh, um, uh, one of those um, uh, speaker vans out in front of the Supreme Court. Okay, um, you go uh, now. Okay, uh, retire, dang it. They have uh, 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 taken out ad space yeah. in newspapers. Right, it, it's too far. Okay, um, and. Uh, if it, you it, want limits on the Supreme Court, put limits on the Supreme Court. It's not that hard to do. Supreme Court justices will serve for 20 years and then they will retire with our great thanks or whatever. Instead of, but like once you've decided you're going to have lifetime appointment, he gets to decide when he goes. And if you don't like that system, change the system. And, you know, hey, um, you, you've heard me say this before. Um, as long as we keep Stephen Breyer away from bicycles, right? Because um, he's <laughs> he, he he he's had a couple maladies uh, riding bikes, um, uh, in 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 falling. Um, otherwise, his health is fine. Um, and um, and again, if you take a look at his work on the court this term, okay, um, he was engaged. Um, um, and, yeah, and by the his way, his mind is fine. Like, yeah, I mean, in, in, he wrote the majority opinion um, uh, um, in, in, in the uh, First Amendment student speech case. And by the way, listeners, pull up that case and read his description of Snapchat. It is hilarious <laughs> to read an eight, you know, a mid 80s <laughs> Supreme Court justice, dude, <laughs> describe, um, describing Snapchat. Hilarious. Okay. Yeah. I think I don't think he, I don't think he's going to retire. Okay, in, 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 I hope not. In part, right? well, no. I hope he doesn't retire due to pressure. If he wants to retire because he just doesn't want to hear it anymore, I, I could understand that. But I hope that he is not pushed into retirement in the sense of you know you have to go now. Nope, y'all made the rules and the rules are lifetime. So. So, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. Who knows? It might be that, you know, one of the younger justices gets run over by a bus. You never know. Like, it's not always age that drives these things. But anyway, thank you so much for the wrap up. You are welcome. I, I appreciate it. And, and I quite uh, obviously enjoyed And we will come back and talk more about the Supreme Court, I'm sure, because I'm sure they're going to do some crazy stuff. <laughs> Hope springs eternal. <laughs> Thanks, Augie. Thank you, Neil. You've been listening to Civil Discourse, brought to you by VCU Libraries. Opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own and do not reflect the views or opinions of VCU or VCU Libraries. Special thanks to the Workshop for Technical Assistance. Music by Isaac Hobson. Find more information at guides.library.vcu.edu slash discourse. As always, no documents were harmed in the making of this podcast.